0: So the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability held a hearing in July about the UAP topic. And to me, this was really important because it really, really brought this into the mainstream conversation and just kind of said, hey, the government's trying to take this seriously, or at least one part of the government is trying. And the three witnesses who testified were Ryan Graves, who's a former Navy pilot, and he's now the executive director of Americans for Safe Aerospace. You also had Commander David Fravor who was also a former Navy pilot who had a first-hand encounter with a UAP in 2004. It's called the Tic Tac Incident. You can Google it. There's lots of stories, lots of evidence around that. And then the third witness is probably the most interesting and the newest person to come out. Uh, His name's David Grush. He's a former national reconnaissance officer representative and he was a part of the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Task Force. So, I think this hearing was pretty much spurred by David Grush coming out with some, some pretty intense claims about UAP. So, before this hearing took place, actually a year prior, David Grush filed for whistleblower protections, as he started to testify to the intelligence community inspector general, um, his first public appearance was with Ross Coulthart on News Nation. There was a long form interview, it was like 45 minutes or so, and Grush made a lot of claims, but he was pretty quick to steer clear from specifics because of his whistleblower protections, and a lot of his information he has is still classified and national security clearance yeah yeah exactly um but grush's credibility go ahead mom
1: i was just gonna ask um why did david grush feel the need to be a whistleblower on the topic for those that may not know
0: okay so so long story short This is why Grush felt the need to come out as a whistleblower and testify to Congress. So this is a quote from his opening statement at this hearing. I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons. I made the decision based on the data I collected to report this information to my superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect, become a whistleblower. As you know, I have suffered retaliation for my decision, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead to a positive outcome of increased transparency. Thank you. I'm happy to answer questions. So, in a nutshell, that's why he came forward. But what's interesting about David Grush is that he got into this topic because he was asked by his government agency he worked for, the National Reconnaissance Office, to become their co-lead in the UAP task force. And through this, he started talking to people who know a lot more than he does. People started seeking him out to give him classified information about where material and craft and potential non-human biologics are being kept. So although it's really interesting and he seems to be a fountain of knowledge as far as UAP and what the government has been hiding or working on over the course of the last hundred years. It's unfortunate that it's all secondhand information. He hasn't claimed to have seen anything firsthand. Um, Mom, what do you think? Do, Do you think that makes him a little more hard to believe?
1: I know a lot of people feel that way that, you know, well, it's secondhand knowledge. What's he know? Who is he? Well, I'm, Personally, I don't f- make it, I don't think that makes him less credit- credible because that was his job to talk to the people who did know and to to document that and to learn that. So for me, I, I don't feel that way, but I know there are a lot of people who do for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Grush did also serve in the military. He was in the U.S. Air Force. And he's always worked in intelligence with the Air Force. So all three of these, these witnesses that were testifying in the hearing, they all come from military backgrounds. So I think it's pretty important to note that. Um, Grush claims that in 2019, the UAP task force director tasked him to identify all special access programs and controlled access programs that they needed to satisfy the congressionally mandated mission of the UAP task force. So as he started digging into these access programs and he was being denied access to get read ons, to get into them and find out what they're all about. I think that was Grush's first red flag that he needed to dig a little bit. For sure.
1: For those offices to tell him as a part of the UAP task force that he didn't have the right to know was crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. And what, a couple lines from his uh, opening statement as well that are pretty interesting. He does say that uh, many of... Let's see. I have been, I've been given Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so Grush says that his testimony is based on information that he was given by individuals with a longstanding track record of legitimacy and service to this country, many of whom also shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony. So, we don't know what pictures or videos Grush has seen. Because he couldn't share that
1: But in an unsecure situation as the hearings were.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. But I would hope he's shown those photos to, hopefully, the at least the Inspector General and in the intelligence community. Right. Uh, because I... I'd be hard-pressed to think that he'd be allowed to file whistleblower protections if he didn't have any proof for what for he was sure. saying. So I know we'd all love for someone to just open the Pandora's box and and just let us see everything that Grush is talking about. To me, that'd make it easier to believe everything he's saying. But just on the surface of it, I'm probably 75% bought into what he's saying, but 25% of me is still really? a little wary because I like to see proof and it sucks that I can't see this proof.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: Uh, so a couple notable points from during the hearing uh, that we should probably bring up. Uh, Grush was asked if he either knows about or was told about any individuals who may have been threatened or injured or killed to try to protect some of this information from coming out. And during the hearing, Grush's response was, He can't answer that question because of the ongoing investigations with the Inspector General. But an answer like that leads me to think that he does know something. Grush also made the point to say that he doesn't know who it was, but over the course of him coming out and going public and getting some of this information in the limelight, he did make a point to say that whoever this shadow entity might be within the government or who's really trying to pull the strings and keep all this secret, he claims that they... some things to him and his wife that just sent a message like hey we're watching you or we have access to where you live and um i think that's pretty telling pretty shocking i hope it's not Um, true well i'm sure it's true um
1: of course i don't know proof because he can't talk about it because the investigation is still ongoing on what happened to him and his wife so there have been more recent interviews and articles regarding those statements um where he has kind of elaborated not not in detail because he can't but that again people have been hurt threatened and or even possibly killed over keeping these secrets
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that's crazy but if you if you think about who may be behind all the secrecy uh three letter government agency that um, supposedly and there that's how they all started by you know keeping people quiet whatever way they could
0: <laughs> that's all i'll say yeah i mean or a lot of it could just come down to compartmentalization too because the less people really know about the whole picture of what they're truly working on the easier it is to keep a secret so like, for example, the Manhattan Project, when you know they were starting to build the the first nuclear bomb. There's some contract facilities that they were doing some work at, like uh, Senator Tim Burchett talks about Oak Ridge. They were a contractor in his district in uh, Tennessee. And he's told stories about individuals that he's talked to that worked there at the time, like a husband and wife, for example. And they work in separate areas of the facility doing different things. And they had no idea that they were working on parts for um, the nuclear bomb, and they d- they didn't know till after.
1: Yeah, sure. And, and I mean that goes back to Area Fifty One and all that, where they say and uh, where they say, you know, these people were so compartmentalized, they didn't realize the technology and what each other was doing and how. Th- how they were working on UFO technology because they were just given a piece or a part to figure this out. They didn't know where it came from. That's the way they, that is, that's the way the government keeps it. Or that's the way these offices keep it, um,
0: help keep it secret. That's your right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not to mention potential counterintelligence. You know, for every one story that might get leaked sure. that has some truth behind it, there's probably someone creating three fake stories to put out there too to make it all seem crazy. Yeah. So I think now that the yeah. the stigma is starting to lift a little bit and we're starting to have some more real conversations about this within the government, it's pretty exciting. And you know, Senator Tim Burchett, we keep talking about him as being a major proponent for disclosure. So when the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2024 was starting to go through its its amendment process and its ratification process in, in the government, uh, Burchett, he pushed through uh, or proposed five amendments to the NDAA. And one of those amendments is titled UAP declassification. And the bullet point that his office gives for what it meant was, It would require the Department of Defense to declassify any documents and records relating to publicly known sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena that do not compromise the national security of the United States. Uh, Unfortunately, his amendments to the NDAA were not uh, approved. Um, It really sucks because it seems like every time someone tries to make a step in the right direction towards disclosure, there's always someone to back it down. Uh, Grush did go on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he he was talking about this exact issue, and he referenced uh, two senators, both named Mike. He made a joke about having an issue with Mike and Mike. And one of those Mikes is uh, he's from the district in Ohio of the Dayton area. And anyone following UFO lore has always heard a bunch of stories about Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and that it potentially got its start with housing some of the wreckage or potential bodies from the Roswell crash. And, of course, Mike... It's Mike Turner and Mike Rogers. I don't remember off the top of my head which one is from that area in Ohio. Mike Turner, representative... From Ohio, he's in the tenth district. He was one of the two Republicans to vote no to these amendments to the NDAA. So obviously, Dave Grush was talking smack about them on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he he made the snide comment. Who knows how true it is, but he claims that part of Mike Derner, Mike Turner's donor pool is Lockheed Martin and Mike Turner comes from the same district where Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is located. So his theory is Lockheed Martin was trying to get Mike Turner to to vote this down just to keep from disclosure really coming out there. Mom, does that sound a little too tinfoil hat? No. I –
1: so from what I'm – reading oh, it's been noted that lockheed martin is one of the c- private contractors who is receiving these ufo crash retrievals from the government and given the authority to do what they will with it try to um
0: uh, reverse engineer.
1: Yes. Reverse engineer it. What can we figure out about this? And then I just heard today that if they re-engineer whatever they can re-engineer and remake or reinvent or invent from those, that technology, then they turn around and sell it back to the government. Hmm. So. Lockheed Martin and those contractors don't want the public and everybody to know what we're finding and what we have because they wouldn't be able to make money off of it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. The U S government seems to be a pretty good number one customer to have too. Yeah. So pretty wild claim. I shouldn't say wild. Pretty strong claims from David Grouch to even go there on the Rogan podcast. You got to think the Joe Rogan experience show is probably one of the most listened to podcasts, if not the most listened to podcast. So uh, it just brings a lot of attention to the potentially true, potentially untrue claims that he made on the show.
1: And who did he say, Logan, who told him about Lockheed Martin? The late um, Senator...
0: Mm-hmm. Senator Harry Reid.
1: Yes, Harry Reid.
0: Yep. So Harry Reid was big on the UFO subject when he was uh, in the Senate. Uh, unfortunately, he's recently passed away. But Grush was able to sit down with him in his home and have a pretty long conversation about this whole thing. And Harry Reid did tell David Grush that Lockheed Martin currently is in possession of... Some sort of extraterrestrial vehicle. Uh, Who knows if it's true or not. We have no factual evidence to back that up. This is all theory based and deductive reasoning. But one of Grush's interesting claims he did make during that show too. Was that the government's big reason for not wanting any of this to come public. Or a pretty large reason. Would be that the government would be telling on itself for committing some pretty strong white-collar crimes with not going through the proper government contract bidding process for all these private contractors to take possession of this material and have the opportunity to, like you said, Mom, re-engineer, repurpose, reinvent to sell back to the government for a large profit. True. Sure. Now, yeah, that'd be a big deal, but I don't see that as being bigger of a deal than, you know, admitting that there's some sort of extraterrestrial presence on earth. I think the
1: fear of criminal findings would be minuscule in the government's thinking and reasoning for not making things public. I think there, I think that maybe besides national security. The the fear that I think we've mentioned it before, um, you know, studies and thinking about what the public reaction would be uh, to what they may know. Um, and what we would learn from that. You know, I don't know, yeah. I feel like there's some I feel like a lot of people think that's a bigger
0: concern. You and I do. And I think anyone in our, you know, just regular people would think that. Yeah. but I feel like there's a lot of people who think, you
1: know, it seems like whatever we find out, we're still going to have to get up and go to work and school and everything else the next day. So, you know, what could it change? Well, it could change a lot. It could change. Um, and we may have mentioned this before. It could change our economy. Um, If there's really a way to reduce our fossil fuel need, what would that do to our economy and the oil companies that back our political um, agendas and things? I, you know, that could be huge. I don't know.
0: It it was funny that you said, (laughs) okay, we find out we're not alone but we still have to go to get up in the morning, go to work, go to school, take the kids to daycare. All the normal stuff we got to do. But I think from the government's perspective, they see it as if everyone finds out that aliens have invaded Earth and they're either walking among us or they're abducting us or creating crop circles and mutilating cattle, whatever they're doing. I think the government's assuming that we would just stop doing all the stuff we typically do and that the economy would shut down and that the country would essentially not be productive at all. We, I
1: think we all know, I think we all know these things are happening. And, um, if they've been doing this for thousands and thousands of years, which a lot of things point to that direction why would we why would we stop living our lives like we are we we still got to live we still got to eat we still got to pay for things we i mean we still have to raise our kids and you mm-hmm. know you can't just go hide in a bunker because there's there might be visitors from somewhere that have been doing it forever i don't know i don't know i don't think the majority of people would stop living their lives Mm -hmm. and i don't i can't see a real i can't see that people would really think that i don't know unless there's way more to it you know and we know there are people who think there may be way more to this whole thing like you know that would change our religious beliefs and things like that um now that that could lend itself to some changes, but
0: we, again, we still have to live our lives. So I'll try to put it in perspective like this. If you're scrolling on social media or you come across a new podcast episode and you click play and you read or hear this somewhat outlandish story of someone having aliens show up in their bedroom at night, take them up into their craft, fly away and, and do all sorts of crazy stuff and then they wake up and all of a sudden they're in their bed again and six hours have passed they lost all that time if you hear that story or read that on social media somewhere there's probably a little bit of you that might be intrigued but a larger part of you would be like Mm, sounds kinda crazy there's no proof whatever and then you scroll past and so you don't think about it much anymore Would that story feel different to you? Or would you think about it differently if the day before you had the president of the United States go out there and say, Roswell happened, we found alien bodies, we have crashed craft, and we've had a reverse engineering program going on for decades. Um, Would that story seem more real to you?
1: Well, I'm sure to a lot of people it would. Because the people who think we're crazy for talking about UFOs would all of a sudden think, whoa, wait a minute. Um, All this stuff I thought was was nuts, maybe wasn't. But
0: they still have to live their life the next day. Most of the intrigue to me, and probably a lot of other people, is the mystery behind it. If the government came out Tomorrow and said exactly what, you know, a lot of us think that they could say, and it'd be true. I I don't know if there'd be a whole—I feel like the UFO community would either go silent or obviously the Grifters would be found out right away, I think. But it wouldn't be as intriguing of a topic anymore. It would turn from somewhat fantasy and fringe and what if— and turn very, very real, very, very fast.
1: Well, then maybe we'd get the science more of the scientific community, um, which there is a lot of uh, of growth of the scientific community really starting to look into this more and study it more. But I think that just because it's not fantasy doesn't mean it's still not interesting because even if the president came out and said we have crashed UFOs and we have alien bodies and this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years I really think that there's they still don't know where they're from how they get here are they from outer space another planet are they from under the water are they coming through a portal or are they coming through a, a time travel or there's still so much that's not known from, I mean, I assume, I mean, who knows, but I'm assuming that if they, even if they came out and said, yes, they are real, we have spaceships. I feel like they still don't know. And there's still so much to learn about it that, It'd still be, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I see your point that would it be not as interesting anymore if we knew it was real, but we still don't wouldn't know where they're all from. What are what their
0: intent is? Okay, so sure, maybe we still don't know where they actually come from. I mean, I think a lot of people like to say now that maybe we're the aliens. If these, if these beings have been here, <laughs> if these beings really have been here for thousands and thousands of years, really, they probably did come before we did. And who knows where the heck we came from? But aside from, you know, religious beliefs and things like that, who knows? <laughs> and maybe these beings aren't coming from another place, but maybe they're just coming from another when, like you said, maybe they're... Time. Yeah. us from very far ahead into the future there's a lot of people believe that mm-hmm. they're us from the future
1: mm-hmm. and that's the reason they want to protect us or and make us think about what we're doing to our planet and if they're if they really are like appearing over nuclear military bases and nuclear silos and, and, and controlling them, you know,
0: I mean, sure. Could be. Yeah. It's a belief. Who knows, you know, whether they're from somewhere or someone else that's, um, uh, to me, it wouldn't matter so much. I think the first step would be the most powerful government in the world, stepping forward and saying, this is all true. Um, Scary, for sure, but I think that's something that needs to happen. And you know, that starts going back into controlled disclosure versus catastrophic disclosure. To me, that would be a pretty catastrophic form of disclosure. I think if the government were trying to do it, they would want to try to do it in a controlled manner.
1: Well, and some people will say that's what they've been doing for hundreds of years. <laughs> Little bits at a time. Proving, disproving, is it true? Are they lying? Well, we did find this. Um, Some people believe that's what's been going on for a long time, controlled release.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Would you feel, Logan, would you feel different? Would you be more afraid if, if the president did come out and say this is true? And we have these spaceships. Would you feel different?
0: I mean, I think it's safe to say that that would change the landscape of the world. I would imagine that militaries all over the place would start stockpiling more weapons, probably more nuclear weapons.
1: Why? They're not. I mean, what have they done over all these years to hurt anybody?
0: I don't think that point would matter. If 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 there was an acknowledgement that it's all true i don't it wouldn't matter you could say that there fluffy kittens and teddy bears flying around in those ships and i don't think it would matter anyway i just think that most governments around the world would see it as a threat or who knows what if people what if people start getting scared that it's going to escalate any sort of activity that is happening
1: see and i feel different i feel different i feel like it's been happening all this time. They've never done anything to As far as we know, they've not caused any wars, they've not damaged anything that's important to us, to our nations, to to any our countries. Why would anyone just because that's proven that they're real? Why would that why would they get a fear about that? That seems crazy to me. I wouldn't feel more scared. I don't think as a person, um, How would you feel I feel like, okay, it's, you know, they're being honest with us. Um, and we're not alone. And we haven't been for <laughs> forever so i would just i don't know i don't think i'd be more afraid i don't i don't know why we would need to be i just don't and i i again i feel like again the united states is not the only country who has recovered crash ufos who has who has um people studying UFOs and UFO sightings. Um, So we're not the only ones that would, that need to say this is real. I cannot believe we're the only country that has crashed ships. Um, We know that Russia, China, Japan, probably uh, probably. Ninety-nine percent of our, you know, uh, countries are aware of them, and at s- in some form or another, is tracking them, or has stuff to study from them. So we're not the only ones. We're not the one. we if our president says they're real or we have crafts, that's not gonna. I feel like that's not going to create a fear
0: in other countries yeah i guess i I, i get i get where you're coming from i just think that the easiest and most simple answer to a problem like that is to stockpile weapons and try to be ready to fight even though it might not be super logical and they might not even publicly announce that that's the plan, I think that that would have to be the plan because that would be one of the few things that would make the government feel like they have control over a super mysterious entity. Even if they don't truly, they'll feel like they will.
1: I mean, our government knows already they exist. Are they stockpiling? I mean, we don't know, mm-hmm. but I would guess not. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, and maybe we're not aware, but I mean, and again, this is because we don't know. um, Have, does you think our government would know that they've tried to harm us?
0: Cause harm or danger to,
1: to earth?
0: If it's happened, I think, and if the government's truly been looking into this topic as far back as Roswell and before, I think they would know something and I'm pretty sure it's classified. Yeah, I I would be surprised.
1: Well, I was going to say the reason that we don't shoot them down supposedly is because they prove no threat because our military is told not to shoot them down unless they they're threatening, threatening us.
0: Uh, maybe they have shot it down and we don't know, but... So, George Knapp on the Weaponized podcast that he and Jeremy Corbell do, he's been pretty upfront that a few decades ago he smuggled some classified documents out of Russia. He had some confidential informants there who helped get him some information and tell him some stories about previous UFO encounters in Russia. And according to him, some Russian pilots attempted to shoot down a UFO... And that UFO, or UAP, ended up shooting back. Uh, I don't know if the pilot was hurt or killed, but I know that the whatever the weapon was, was able to take down a Russian jet. So, I think it's pretty safe to say that probably global, if there was a global entity to give instructions to the military, I'm sure all of them are being told not to engage if they see one. So I think they'd be pretty outgunned anyway.
1: So you think they're not shooting because they can't beat them?
0: Yeah, and I, I think the incident in Russia was just something that made that pretty evident. And if they were able to get that story out to other governments, they probably wanted to follow suit and no longer engage with UAP if they see them. <clears throat> but since, since the hearing in July, um, during the hearing, Grush made a lot of comments about a skiff. A SCIF is a sensitive classified information facility, I believe. And you have to have a clearance to have access to one, but those are rooms where classified information is allowed to be discussed. And he kept saying, if we were in a skiff, I could answer that question or I could give you more specifics in a skiff." Well, Grush hasn't been allowed access into a skiff, but since the hearing in July, these uh, members of the House Accountability and Oversight Committee were allowed to enter a SCIF with the Intelligence Community Inspector General. And the Inspector General gave them some more information uh, regarding David Grush and his claims. It seems like most of the congressmen, when they came out, either said, it's just turning over stones and we have to find out who exactly to ask the specific questions to to get the information, mostly because it's so compartmentalized. Fox News has an article out that breaks down some of these comments uh, right after the congressman went into the skiff. So after the skiff, Representative Luna was talking to reporters, and a quote from her was, I think it's incredibly important to listen to the specific words that Grush uses. He never said extraterrestrial or alien he referred to them as interdimensional. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. So if it it already wasn't pretty murky on what the heck these UAP are and where they come from, to me, hearing the word interdimensional makes it a lot more confusing than hearing extraterrestrial or alien.
1: Yeah, that um, kind of blew my mind a little bit. Interdimensional, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm glad to hear that the congressmen are still trying to find some answers and get some more information on it, even if they feel like they're not getting a whole lot. Uh, To me, any little bit is progress. True. I just want to bring back the main point that I think that this committee in the House is really interested in all this. It's not it, at least it didn't start as being interested in the little green men and the craft and the, the alien stuff and how cool it may be to uncover it. I don't think it started with that. I think when Grush said that there's been a decades-long crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, the committee was concerned because there's no oversight. Yeah, and
1: There's no budget for that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yep. And in, in a government where we elect our representatives and our representatives have oversight of the military and budgeting and spending and what happens, if none of them know anything about this, then that's a pretty big problem. And I think that's the problem they're really trying to solve with going into this topic. But as they do it, we're bound to hopefully uncover more information, probably mostly classified, but I hope some of it becomes known to the public.
1: Yep, I agree, Logan. And in the meantime, you've got a lot of people talking about UFOs and that they exist and what are they and where are they from and why are they here? Um, there's a lot of people with huge oh, stories, accusations, um, beliefs. So I think, you know, I know we'll stick back to Congress, budget, funding what are we doing behind people's back? But you know, at the same time, the even when that stuff becomes public or not, there's so much more that uh, will still be learned and discovered and studied. So
0: yeah, it seems like overclassification is always going to be a problem. So even when someone might come out with an amendment that says certain things need to be released, unless it, compromises U S national security. I think that the powers that be are going to try to hide behind that veil of compromising national security as much as they possibly can. Sure. So the amount of information we're going to get is probably going to be a very slow trickle over a long period of time versus turning on the fire hose.
1: Yeah. Until if, and when the scientific community, which is growing in their study of these UFOs, situations and topics, um, you know, they may come out first with when they are able to prove, identify what the what they are, what these things are. Um and I've you know, I think that's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, I hope it does. Um, but in the meantime, mom, but uh, you were telling me a little bit about uh potential story regarding the office of global access you want to tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so um there was a story came out
0: oh shoot this week last week um mm. go ahead it was it was a couple months ago oh, no. we're a little tardy to the oh party. sorry tardy to the party it, um it's i think it started on well the 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 channel who broke it was daily mail. So if you search daily mail office of global access, you'll find the original article, but go ahead, mom.
1: Yes, Logan, you're right. Um, the report is pretty interesting that the CIA plays a role in crash UFO retrieval and recovery and retrieval, no matter where it is almost in the world. Um, the,
0: Allegedly, yes.
1: So the
0: we do not we do not have hard facts to corroborate this. So if anyone's listening, no, please don't hunt this us down. This is
1: what the article said, and um, so the office within the CIA Logan is the
0: Office of Global Access.
1: And the office of global access. Now, it's not only UFOs; they can retrieve pieces and parts of nuclear weapon, nuclear missiles, anything. Um, but the the story is that they also retrieve crashed UFO ships, um, and they have access to go in, supposedly go in wherever. And retrieve this, uh, these crashes, and bring them back to the U.S. um, If it's outside of the United States, so um, they use um, special forces to do this. And one report said that they've recovered. The CIA office has recovered nine crashed ships. But there are reports that say it's way more than that. Um, investigative reporter uh, Ross Colthart has spoken up to this article and said that he has spoken to high-level government officials that have verified this information. He believes this to be true and that it is a lot more than nine vehicles retrieved so um you know that's pretty interesting um i have heard of the story and i don't have the details but it was way back and there was a crash retrieval done um near the vatican and the pope knew about it and um, the what is now the five eyes which was this was prior to that um, knew about it and it was a very 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 large ship and pieces were if not I don't I've heard two stories that the whole ship was sent back to the United States and I've heard that um, the ship was actually hidden there so interesting but um yeah
0: hidden there are you talking about ross coltart's claims that is is this similar to what ross coltart says that a building was constructed around the craft to hide it is that what Uh, you're talking about i think that might be a different one
1: I think some people have said that this one might be um, underground, but I also read that it was brought back to the United States. So, but again, I'm getting off track, but I I, I think it's, um, you know, pretty interesting that supposedly this office within the CIA is involved in recovery.
0: Yeah. It's, it's pretty fascinating if they can just find creative ways to pretty much get access to any place they need to go to try to retrieve these yeah. items I wouldn't be surprised if they're also utilizing some sort of maybe paramilitary might not be the right word special but forces and
1: yeah private, oh private yeah
0: I was gonna say like you know if Lockheed Martin and Raytheon have their own private police type, forces or military type groups to to go in and do some of this dirty work on their
1: behalf i don't
0: know yeah so wouldn't be surprised but then again we don't have any proof to back any of this up but after the daily mail broke this news about the office of global access i did see a lot of folks posting screenshots on social media that if you try googling that office that you get no search results so Was there information trying to be scrubbed off the internet? Who knows? Uh, But I I do believe that there were some older documents pulled up uh, that the CIA just had publicly available um, that listed out some different departments and groups under the separate directorates of the CIA. And one of those did prove that the Office of Global Access did exist at one point. Whether or not they were retrieving crashed UFOs, who knows. Yeah, But interesting to think about. and,
1: And again... We got to keep in mind there's got to be some things that have to be
0: secret within our government for security. I get
1: it. I get it.
0: Yeah. Grush said on the Rogan interview, he said a big reason that the U.S. wouldn't come out and say, we have 10 craft. Well, if China is more than likely listening in on that and they're taking notes and they see, oh, the U.S. said they only have, or the U.S. said they have 10, we only knew about eight. So we have to go find those other two craft. We need to find out what what they know. So I I do understand that from national security perspective, there could be issues. But I think it sucks when everything is hidden behind that veil of national security, and then we feel like we have no concrete proof of what's really going on.
1: But we got to remember, there's a lot we don't know that's going on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. With our government and military So Yes And that's understandable To a
0: certain extent Mm -hmm. You have anything you want to tease For another episode or you want to do an outro
1: Yeah so I I'm I'm thinking Logan That you know What do you think about the jellyfish
0: (laughs) The jellyfish Is interesting Uh, Jeremy Corbell he had a three-part docu-series on Tubi, is where you can find it. Uh, I believe TMZ helped produce the documentary. But he unveiled some video footage from U.S. military system. I cannot remember what it's called. But it was a FLIR video, and it showed this blob on the screen that looked like a jellyfish floating around the skies in the Middle East. Over the joint uh, joint base. Yeah, apparently it went right over the base. The story for the video goes that this jellyfish thing flew through the air, went to the water, went into the water for about 15 minutes, and then it came back out and flew away. Now... There's only part of the video that's been released. The part of the video that shows it going into the water has not yet come to light. So I don't believe anyone's actually seen it, but on the most recent episode of weaponized Corbell and George Knapp did have a former military member on the episode. And he was working at that base at the time of the incident. And he was operating that piece of equipment that caught it on the FLIR footage. And he did, You know, say, yep, it's totally real. I saw it. Um, He goes into more detail about what happened on the base afterwards and how kind of the whole environment there at the base was changed because of it. I think he started calling it the spaghetti monster.
1: Yeah, that's what some people call it. Now, that guy, you know, he's... (sighs) I didn't get a warm and fuzzy from him. Now he did say he worked there then he did see some of this footage then and he saw some of the footage that people had recorded uh, and saved because I won't say a lot but because of what happened after the footage was recorded Um, but you know he he was just so not enthusiastic and not excited and he was like well it was six years ago and if I remember right but you know um, there I will say that there's also proof that this is not the first time this jellyfish um, shaped thing has been seen over the years what is it Logan back seventy in back in the 70s there was an article newspaper article about yeah 70s like or maybe have
0: been fifties I'm not sure
1: yeah quite a long time ago so this is not the first jellyfish shaped um thing that's been seen mm-hmm. it was very interesting I, I you know look it up we can talk about it more next time um yeah interesting
0: very weird very weird. Yeah, if you find the Instagram page UFO secrecy, they they put some other examples of the jelly, not that same jellyfish video, but other recordings of potential jellyfish UFO type things flying through the air. He has several, or I shouldn't say he, I don't know who runs the page, but that page has several examples out there that you can go check out. One of them shows, uh, I think, three orbs circling around the jellyfish. And then they, they kind of come back together and the jellyfish just shoots straight up. Um, some yeah, people think it looks kind of like 4CGI. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the... Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, but. the UFO secrecy page slowed it down and showed it from different uh, zoom, uh, different levels of zoom. So it's interesting. It could be fake, but... Uh, I think the prominent debunker Mick West, he, you know, every UFO recording that comes out, he typically finds some sort of prosaic reason to debunk it. And I think his reason for debunking this one was, uh, he said it looked too much like a bundle of balloons. Balloons. And, and some
1: people have talked about the one at the air force base, uh, Oh, that's just balloons, but um there was, yeah, well, we can give more details later about why a lot of people believe that that could not have been balloons, but I mean, if you really watch it, it doesn't move like like balloons, it's not going up, it's going across horizontal, it's not rising, and um, you know that the what would be strings on balloons wasn't moving back and forth like they would it wasn't fought. they weren't trailing behind it right these these tentacle like things are hanging straight down
0: yeah much more rigid than just like strings flowing through the air for me what would really seal the deal is if i could see the footage of this thing entering the water and coming back out to me that would be like there's no question there this is Super unique, this is anomalous.
1: Did you see the video I think you're talking about the last weaponized episode. Um, did you watch that all of that video on there where it showed it going over the water?
0: I only listened to the audio version. so if they showed something new on that episode, I didn't see it visually.
1: They don't have the clip like you said, where it goes into the water and comes back out, but it is over the water. It does show it after it leaves the base and it goes over the water. Hmm. I watched that. So interesting stuff. Um, there's always something new and different. So I have not watched the three part show on Tubi yet. Have you?
0: Um, I've watched Bits and Pieces.
1: Uh, I've not watched any of it yet. I I,
0: I will say Jeremy Corbell has a big um, propensity for the dramatic (laughs) he's uh, he can be extremely dramatic. So like,
1: yeah, everybody that knows him or has listened to him or watched him realizes that. So
0: that's what he does. (laughs) Okay, so to end the episode, I want to get super tinfoil hat, super fringe. Just really quick. So, Luis Elizondo, we talked about him in our first episode, uh, big proponent of disclosure. He ran ATIP investigating UFO sightings with military personnel. His lawyer, Daniel Sheehan, has been on Twitter claiming that sometime in early 2024, we are going to be shown a real video of an alien interrogation or alien interview
1: yeah
0: I'm a little suspect on so that could it be
1: Well, could it be the video we've already seen that's out there Logan
0: I don't think so because that he obviously that one's been floating around for a while a lot of people think it's bogus some people think it's legit but I feel like he wouldn't have been referencing maybe they're gonna prove it's
1: real but that he he I thought he mentioned, and maybe I'm wrong, but I thought they mentioned that the same people who were mentioned as being in the room on that video were in the room on this interview, but maybe I'm mistaken. So we'll have to see. I'm curious to hear if it's the same old video or not.
0: If that's true, I hope they can provide some sort of proof that really, really, really lets you know it's true uh, and that it's real. Because if not, and Daniel Sheehan is just out here making all these claims like this with nothing to back it up, I think that looks pretty bad on Lou Elizondo's part. As much as I love the work he's done and, and how he's been a proponent for disclosure and he's been very open in public, um, but still maintaining his uh, NDAs that he's signed about the information he knows from his investigations, I don't think it makes him look great for his lawyer to go out saying things like that and they'd be proven false so I hope that's not the case True. Well, we'll have to wait and see yep well thanks for listening to our long awaited seemingly information packed episode number 3 I'm <laughs> glad we did it I, I don't think we should wait that long for the next one no for sure Maybe, maybe by the time the year ends we'll have a handful of people that actually listen to this as well Because I still feel like we're just talking to ourselves.
1: That's all right. You got to start somewhere. Yep.
0: What do you want to say?
1: Ah, till next time.
0: (laughs) We'll be back to blow your minds once again. (laughs) Okay. Bye, mom. Bye.